Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Great to be with you. And our theme today is finding God in the midst of massive transitions. Finding God in the midst of massive transitions. Now, I'm doing this podcast as we are in the midst of COVID-19, uh, our own massive transition of our generation, and really an event that's so disruptive things uh, that it'll go down in history is uh, you know, one of the great events of the 21st century. They'll be talking about this for decades, uh, on the equivalent of a World War One or a World War Two. And so, again, from the economy to work, the workplace to church to schools, uh, the list just goes on in terms of the transition, so, so many transitions happening at the same time. And yet, biblically, transitions and the letting go uh, in transitions are critical leadership tasks, Uh and critical discipleship tasks uh, that we're to master if we're going to actually do God's work, God's way, and of course, in God's timing. So the problem is most of us don't do transitions well, and I'm one of them. Uh, you know, we don't really have a good theology of endings and new beginnings. I mean, I think of my own grandmother uh, who, after her husband died, wore black her whole life. I mean, many of us come from family histories and sometimes cultures where uh, something dies or ends, and it's kind of like we freeze and get rigid at that point and uh, don't let change come in. And uh, again, we go kicking and screaming. A deep fear takes over. Uh, we wonder if it's going to all turn out okay. And so for some of us, we, we just keep ruminating about the past, want to get back to the past, or we get busy to avoid having to feel uh, the, 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 the sadness or the anger or the fears inside of us. Uh, or some of us are just raging, you know, by the limits of all this and the pain of it. We just want to, we just want to move on and get on with it, and uh, somehow escape and medicate the pain uh, through keeping busy. Uh, some of us are know, think about quitting in the transition because we, I don't know if I can make this transition and what lies ahead. Uh, but again, in, if we don't do transitions well, we miss the new beginnings that God has and God wants to do in us and through us and in our ministries. And yet transitions are such a big part of life, small, medium, and large transitions. Uh, I mean, every move to a new place is a transition. Every a death of anyone we know well is a, is a transition. Uh, any serious illness or an accident is a transition. Jo a job ending or job shift is a transition. Uh, parenting is a transition. Uh, as our kids go through stages of life, that's a transition. Um, our dreams fall flat. They, they get dashed. That's a transition. We get betrayed or go through a divorce uh, or have a child or, or fail to have a child or we get older. These are all transition, but every transition has an ending which thrusts us into this uh, fog uh, season uh, in which we're wondering what's happening. And so as I've reflected on this theology of transition, what's fascinating is that uh, Jesus said in Scripture, in a sense, that every transition in life is actually just a taste or a prelude, or a kind of a prototype to the great transition at the end of time, that uh, Jesus talked about really the massive transition that would happen uh, at the end of the age, Mark 13, Mark, Mark 13, Matthew 24, where he says, he looked at the temple complex of Jerusalem, which was considered, uh, if not the greatest building of the day, uh, and he looked at it and said, uh, do you see these things? I tell you, not one stone will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. And then Jesus begins to talk about the transition of the end of world history as we know it. 
And, and he says in this great passage about the end, he says, don't be alarmed multiple times. He says, you know, the, the noise you're going to hear, the terror in people's lives of wars and earthquakes and false prophets, it's going to strike terror in the hearts of people. But you as my followers, my disciples, you're to be different. And so he says repeatedly, don't be alarmed. He, he wants us to be different. He, to, in a sense, he's creating long distance runners of endurance who are uh, filled with the supernatural power of endurance. And uh, and he actually puts the, the labor pains of the world into a framework, a positive framework of birthing, that these are birth pains of something new that lies ahead, and that is by coming, that Son of Man is going to come on the clouds of heaven, he says, with power and great glory. And, uh, and he'll gather his elect from the four winds. And then and he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And it's just so fascinating, isn't it, that Jesus' words are the world's, in a sense, most treasured possession in the midst of great transition, especially now as we're in a massive transition. Uh, it's the church's most treasured possession. It's, it's our rock, his words. And so today, I want to talk to you about three words um, uh, from Jesus to position yourself and uh, that are serving me and I believe are, are a rock for all of us to as we integrate uh a, a good biblical theology of transitions uh, in the midst of what we're living through today. And actually, just a, a quick note, that the biblical theology of transition is, is really very similar to the uh, theolo biblical theology of grief and loss, uh, and that is that there's an ending uh, of something, it's over, uh, there's a death of something, and then secondly, there's a waiting and the confusing in between because the old is gone, but the new hasn't come, and so we're in that in second in-between phase. And then finally, there's the new beginning stage, the old births to new. So you've got the endings, you've got the confusing in-between, and then you've got the, the new births, the new beginnings, uh, the, the resurrection that comes out of death. Uh, and it's, it's a very important biblical theology to have around uh, transitions. Uh, because we are right now, for example, we are in a confusing in between. Uh, there's an ending of something. The new hasn't quite come, uh, but we're in this confusing in between, and we're invited by God to, to wait on him. And so the three words I want to share with you today are, are meant to position you. Uh, they're practices, actually, to position you uh, in the midst of this massive transition in which we find ourselves. And uh, and actually, there's so many other transitions happening globally, even apart from the pandemic. But but Jesus calls us to not be alarmed, but to be anchored. And uh, so the three words are relax, detach, and listen. I'll say it again. It's relax, actually relax in Jesus. It's detach um, for Jesus and then listen you know, to Jesus. And uh, so actually, this actually comes from uh, a section of the... Uh, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship book that's uh, I just finished writing after a year and nine months. It comes out next month. Uh, and it really is a, a life work of mine of summarizing all of EH discipleship over the last 26 years. And I realize there's a six and a half page section where I talk about these three words, relax, detach, and listen, uh, which in some ways are the great invitation of everything we do. Uh, uh, and every invitation, I believe, that's God's given through us to his church and to you as leaders and to me personally, is, uh, and, and that is to position ourselves with Jesus so we can be a gift to the world you know, for him. So uh, with that said, let's just jump into uh, 
practice number one, and that is and word number one, which is relax. Okay, practice number one is relax in Jesus. And this comes out of John 6. When the, the crowds asked Jesus, they said, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered him, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So first of all, what you want to know is here, they asked Jesus, what must we do to do the works God requires? And they're thinking many works, right? They're thinking works of giving, works of prayer, works of Bible study, works of serve the poor, etc. Jesus says, no, no, there's not a lot. There's not multiple works. There's actually just one work. Uh, and that is to believe in the one he has sent, to trust me. And the word believe actually means to, to trust. Uh, and it's actually the present tense to be continually trusting in Jesus. Uh, and I like what uh, uh, Dale Bruner says, summarizes that word uh, trust or believe in the gospel of John. The best modern translation for that is to relax in Jesus. I love that word, to relax. In fact, the word to, to trust or believe in Jesus is used 98 times in the Gospel of John. In fact, the Gospel of John says the whole purpose of this Gospel is that you may be trusting moment by moment, believing in Jesus, that you might be relaxing in Jesus. I love that. And so we relax by allowing ourselves to be held by Jesus, regardless of the storms and circumstances in which we find ourselves. Just think about that for a moment with, with me. Relax in Jesus. If you think about it, it really is the goal of everything we do in life, uh, including worship and preaching and small groups and programming and classes and outreach and serving and giving. It's to get it's to get people to relax in Jesus. And Jesus says, if we get this right, we get everything right. Uh, and life is right. He'll take care of the rest. But of course, that's no small tax task to relax. And of course, it is easier to talk about than to live, especially when we are surrounded by anxiety uh, or that uh, our ministries or our lives seem to be going backwards and not forward. And yet that's exactly or precisely what Jesus modeled for us in his own ministry. Uh, and and, and uh, I'll do, let me just mention what for me what that looks like. And you know, for Jesus, well, for Jesus, he he experienced a mass defection uh, in John six, where he loses thousands, tens of thousands of people. Uh, we don't know how many thousands, but everyone leaves uh, of the thousands except for the twelve, uh, because Jesus had begun teaching some things that were difficult about eating his flesh and drinking his blood and. Uh, and the people were just, what is this? They were horrified by it. And only the 12 end up remaining. Uh, and one of those is Judas, who's going to quit. And, and so in responding to the disbelief of the crowds and then even the disciples, Jesus makes these three statements. He goes, oh, all of those the Father gives me will come to me. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. Uh, and then he repeats it a third time. That's why I told you, no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. In other words, Jesus himself modeled, he didn't just teach it, he modeled for us this relax in, in the midst of, again, transition, turmoil, noise, anxiety. He was grounded in a sense of the Father's sovereignty, the Father's plan. And he understands that it's the Father who draws people, is going to draw people to him. And he's got the Father's got a long-range plan in his mission. Uh, he'll send the right people at the right time. I, mean, I don't know how relaxed you would be in similar circumstances. Uh, chances are you'd be like Jesus's uh, family, his brothers, and the next chapter who panic 
And they tell him to get to Jerusalem as soon as possible so people will start following you again. And Jesus just simply says, you know, the right time for me has not yet come. Maybe for you, but not for me. And he's got, he's got a great sense that even if things are falling apart or look like they're falling apart, they're not. Relax. Jesus relaxed. And, and uh, you know, so for me, positioning myself to relax is uh, my number one job. In fact, these three words, relax, detach, and listen, are my primary work each day uh, with God. So I have something to offer for God to those around me. And so that's why for me the daily office is so critical, a morning, midday, evening, pause to be with Jesus. That's why silence and stillness is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking deep breaths and I'm breathing in to relax. That's why a Sabbath uh, is so critical for me and, and having a rule of life, a framework in which to structure my days. I mean, I'm not first a, a writer or a podcaster or a pastor. Uh, I'm first a person who trusts in Jesus, who relaxes in Jesus. And, uh, uh, you know, in fact, I, I monitor myself quite closely. And, uh, and am I relaxing in Jesus? Am I trusting Jesus? Because I know if that's off, everything's off. So I've got, I've got like 10 signs for me or symptoms of when I, uh, uh, how, if I know I'm relaxing in Jesus. And, and, and I want to encourage, I'm going to read my 10, and you can think about what yours might be. Uh, to ask yourself, you know, are you relaxing in Jesus today? So here's my list, and again, you can add to it yours. I know I'm relaxing in Jesus when I am enjoying communion with him, even in the midst of disappointments and storms, even in the midst of a pandemic. I know I'm relaxing in Jesus when I'm experiencing a lack of anxiety in my body. Again, you've heard me say on this podcast more than once that the body is not a minor prophet but a major prophet. And so tightness and tenseness in my neck and stomach and uh, is, is, a, is a symptom of anxiety. Something, something's off. I know I'm relaxing thirdly when I'm uh, in Jesus, when I'm not doing for others what they can and should do for themselves. I know I'm relaxing in Jesus when I'm maintaining my rhythms of being with Jesus in seasons of great pressure. I know I'm relaxing in Jesus when I'm less and less triggered by things going wrong. I know I'm relaxing in Jesus when I'm present to the beauty and wonder of those around me. In fact, I know I'm relaxing in Jesus when I have a deep sense of knowing that I have nothing to gain and nothing to lose. And that I really what I want is God's will. I know I'm relaxing in Jesus when I'm content, deeply content in taking care and feeding the people that God's entrusted to me. I know I'm relaxing in Jesus when I'm receiving God's limits as a gift, not fighting them, not ignoring them, not denying them. And I also know I'm relaxing in Jesus when I'm embracing the season in which God has placed me. Hey, I don't know if you've ever downloaded uh, these free, uh, we call them team transformational videos uh, on our website, but I want to encourage you to do it because we have two of these uh, team transformational videos have to do with rediscovering Sabbath, and the other is on crafting a rule of life. Uh, and so I want to invite you to go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash team. Uh, that is emotionallyhealthy.org slash team. And even if you don't have a team to do this with, do it yourself. There's handouts with it. Uh, I do I do an explanation of it. I actually share my rule of life on it. Uh, and uh, because, again, structuring uh, a life around uh, relaxing in Jesus is the core of what God's been calling us to do. So again, there's one on Sabbath, one on rule of life, 
You may want to do one at a time, you know, but uh, let me invite you to do that. That's number one, relax in Jesus. But the second practice is detach for Jesus. It's detach for Jesus. The only sure thing about the spiritual journey is that what you think will happen will not. Uh, I don't know who said this originally, but it has been said that one of the great greatest transitions of a mature spiritual life with God is surrendering to the unknown. It's what Augustine said, that if we think we understand, it's not God that we understand. Now, the key to sharing this kind of a rich life of oneness with God is this practice called detachment. Now, I'm not talking about cold detachment of a judge or a CPA accountant doing your taxes. I'm talking about a, a detachment from thing, other things that would that keep you from being with Jesus. Now, Jesus speaks of detachment as we lose our lives so we might find them. He says that repeatedly. Um, now, Paul describes it as not clinging or holding on to anything, uh, whether it be marriage, sorrow, joy, anything we possess for the sake of Christ. He writes this in 1 Corinthians, 9, 1 Corinthians 7. He says, from now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if they were it was not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. In other words, the invitation is to relinquish all possessiveness and self-will. Uh, Meister Eckhart talks about this, and, and he was a 13th century uh, Dominican monk. Uh, he's probably the greatest theologian who talked about uh, detachment as core to following Jesus. That, In other words, that uh, if Jesus is going to be birthed in us, we have to be emptied first. And, he, and Eckhart uses the story of Mary, uh, uh, the mother of Jesus, who in Luke, two, Luke 1 empties herself of her self-will, uh, and she she loses her reputation, her security, her her dreams for her life. She lets it all go, and then Jesus is birthed in her. Uh, and Eckhart's primary argument is that we must be emptied of all created things to be full of God. Uh, and so, what does that mean practically? And so, again, in the midst of this massive transition in which we find ourselves, our first work is to relax in Jesus. But the second then is to actually detach, to to let go of everything but Him. Uh, so what, what does that look like? Uh, for example, it means we're open to the unfolding of events and circumstances in our life, and, and we accept everything. In other words, we, don't we, we have goals, right? But we don't attach to any earthly goals or even experiences, but we trust God that he's orchestrating all things for our good and his glory and the good of the world, even though we can't see them. And we, we yes, we set goals and we have a direction for our lives and our ministries and but we actually release out attachment to any outcome. In other words, uh, I've got goals and I'm active, but I, I kind of live in this detached activism, and I recognize that I can't manipulate or predict what God's going to do. And so I'm prayerful, and, and I'm prayerful not so much to get what I want, but I'm prayerful so I can be surrendering my will to God's will. And I recognize that unhealthy attachments happen so quick to me. Uh, and, and it just, because my core spiritual problem, like all of us, is my own self-will. I just, I want to make things happen. Again, that's why for me, like I, before I did this podcast today, I, you know, after preparing and, uh, you know, I usually prepare the week before and then I come back and I hit it again in the morning and 
Uh, and then I just let it go. And I just I had my midday prayer before I did this podcast. And I just had my palms open and I was just being still before the Lord and surrendering. I was relaxing and then I was detaching. I was letting everything go. And the outcome is in the hands of God. And um, and, and recognize that even this podcast, uh, just like any book, any ministry, the whole goal of it, I, I don't, we don't want to hold on to it. We want to let it go so it might lead us to Jesus. Our, our goal is Jesus, and we hold on to nothing but him. We want his, his life to be birthed in and through us by the Holy Spirit for the world. Uh, but like the rich, rich young ruler, it takes a miracle to let go and surrender uh, and detach for Jesus. And uh, But so one, we uh, relax. Second, Our second practice is detachment. But then the third uh, practice is to listen, to listen to Jesus. So I relax in Jesus, I detach for Jesus. And, and then I third practice is I listen to Jesus. Uh, and it's interesting, if you, if you study the the Gospels and the 12 disciples, they were not good listeners to Jesus. And I, I think the reason that's so uh, evident and repeated in the Gospels is because we're all crummy listeners. I mean, his best leadership team, Peter, James, and John, were not good listeners. And my favorite passage for this is in uh, Matthew 17, in, in, at the Mount of Transfiguration. And Jesus appears to the disciples and it's amazing uh, transfiguration, they see a glimpse of Jesus in all of his glory. And uh, Jesus is there talking with Moses and Elijah on the top of the mountain. And Peter just, he just sees a door of opportunity. He's, you know, he and he interrupts the, the conversation that Jesus is having with Mo, Moses and Elijah. And he, and he comes with a plan. And it's his plan. And his plan is to set up shelters, three shelters uh, as a witness to what God's doing, the crowds and the multitudes, the world could come and see Jesus uh, as the Messiah. I mean, Moses and Elijah are confirming him as the Messiah. But of course, I'm sure many of you know the passage, uh, God interrupts Peter uh, and uh, says, listen to Jesus, listen to him. Uh, Jesus had been talking to Peter and the disciples about uh, the crucifixion and its implications for discipleship, about losing their lives, about detachment, uh, and about following Jesus. And uh, But they were not listening. They just they just couldn't get it because it was so countercultural, so counterintuitive, uh, because the direction Jesus is going in just, uh, just appears wrong. It just appears like it's not good. I mean, the crucifixion and being rejected by the elders, etc., it just doesn't make sense. And so Peter just isn't listening. Uh, and uh, and so the Father speaks, listen to him. You know, I, I spent so, I mean, I, I, listen, I mean, this is one of my core tasks on a daily basis, right? Relax in Jesus, detach for Jesus, and then listen to Jesus. So, but I spent especially my first early years as a pastor, as a leader, um, leading for Jesus, but I really wasn't listening to him very well, uh, or very much. I just figured, let me do the best I can and make plans to advance the Great Commission. And Peter sure didn't think he was doing anything that bad other than following his best thoughts. So did I. The problem was that his best thoughts were leading him astray. They were leading other people astray. And that's what happens when we follow our best ideas without listening first. We end up hurting ourselves and those we lead. And God's word to Peter is God's word to me. It's God's word to you. It's God's word to the church. Listen to Jesus. Let's face it. We all want a spiritual life, but we prefer to be in charge of it. 
and have it unfold according to our schedule and in our way. But following Jesus is not first doing things for him. It's first listening to him speak and then doing what he says. And that's why listening to Jesus is more important than listening to any other person, any other project, any program or cause in the whole world. I'm not talking about a quick check-in with God. I'm talking about a deep listening that allows God's word and direction through that word for you and for me to do its full work, let it, that explodes inside of us. Uh, and even though it invites us on a pathway that's countercultural and may even look like a downward path of failure and suffering. This listening word is so key in that in the first 500 years of the church, uh, this practice of intentional listening was referred to as discretion. Uh, it, was con- it was considered the, the core gift for a, a leader, an abbot of a monastery or a bishop, because without it, you're going to end up misguiding people and ruining people's lives. In fact, all abbots of monasteries were to be distinguished by this grace of discretion or listening. Otherwise, they were considered dangerous. And discretion, very simply, is that the it's the practice, it's the ability to wait and be prayerfully expectant to see what unfolds, not to have to make something happen. It's got the humility and the patience to discern when to leave things alone and when to know that our interference will only complicate things. It, it enables us to basically exercise self-control and to wait. Uh, and one of the most striking aspects of all that teaching on discernment is found in John Cassian is that that they were to go to wise elders uh, in the faith you know going get growing in discretion involved uh, looking for others having wise men and women spiritual mothers and fathers uh, who could actually bring some perspective and um, that's why listening is again and growing and listening is one of the most important things we can do so again relax uh, detach and listen, three great words, I and mean, I love these words, to find God in the midst of a massive transition. Listen, if we can do this, you and I, for the people around us, uh, what a gift we can offer them. Because you see, our home is in is in Jesus. It's, everything's okay. Our anchor is in him. Again, I think of that passage and in, uh, in, in the end of uh, Matthew and Mark, when Jesus starts talking about the the end of history, that the one final transition when heaven and earth will pass away as we know it and a new heaven and earth will come and Jesus will come uh, come flooding the earth with his presence and his glory. And that uh, we're anchored in him and we're anchored in his word. And so we're not alarmed. We're not terrified. We're actually, we're one, we're relaxed. Secondly, we're detached knowing it's all going to pass away. And then thirdly, we actually um, are listening. So again, let me invite you to check out these teen transformational videos on our website at www.emotionallyhealthy.org slash team and uh, watch a good one, one and a half hour segment on rediscovering Sabbath, a way to, to begin to implement this in your life, you and your team, or craft a rule of life. Uh, again, for you and your team, so you can begin to build a life where these three words or three practices actually become a part of who you are and not just something you heard on a podcast. And let me just close with a final two questions that I regularly ask myself before God and uh, have them written uh, in the back of my journal as a reminder. And the two questions I consistently ask myself is, 
What is it time to let go of in my personal life and leadership? What's it time to let go of, number one, in my personal life and leadership? And my hands are, I'm doing it right now, my hand, my palms are up towards heaven. Lord, what are you inviting me to let go of in my personal life and in my leadership? So I'm always in this sense of, again, relaxing, detaching, and then listening. And the second question is this. If the first is, what is it time to let go of in my personal life and leadership? My second question is, what new thing, or I'm asking God, is what new thing might be standing backstage waiting to make its entrance? What new thing might be standing backstage waiting to make its entrance? I don't know much, but I do know this. Um, we are in the fog of a massive transition, and I do know that the Lord um, uh, is here and that God is going to make a grand entrance in all of his glory. And uh, may he give you grace to relax in Jesus and detach for him, and may you listen to him. Be blessed, I pray, this day. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Okay.